and welcome to Media MD, the podcast where each fortnight we prescribe each other a piece of media that the other person has somehow missed. I'm Ruben Norhouse. And I'm Elliot Dayball. And this fortnight we are in a little bit of a pickle, Elliot. Um, <laughs> we had a bit of a weird situation happen this fortnight, so let's explain it first and then we'll talk, get into what we're talking about today. Well, we're talking about a book called The Warded Man, also known as The Painted Man, outside of the US. Um... So we had a guest come on and talk to us about this, but then he had to pull out at the very last moment. So we've kind of already read the book, both of us, <laughs> even though we hadn't originally. So we're going to do a little bit of a pitch in case you want to get a kind of spoiler-free version of the discussion, and we'll go to a break and then we'll come back with our normal part two. Sound good? Yes. <laughs> I, I realised that I was kind of talking to the audience and then I adjust to you. Anyway, Elliot, why don't, why don't we take the... I'll take the role of the pitcher and you can take the role of the uh, the receiver for this one, I guess. Okay, sure. The, the, the Painted Man or The Warded Man is a book set in a world where demons exist, right? It's set in this kind of medieval world where demons exist and they kind of just act like monsters. So there's like... Um, Stone demons, which are basically just rock golems. And then there's like flame imps and all these different kind of like de- demons in air quotes. And the main kind of mechanic of this world is that people can draw these little sigils in the ground or paint them onto buildings. They're called wards and they have the power to repel demons, right? Well, yeah, so it's like they sort of create nets. So you've got to put the the wards in specific spots and things so they all line up and it's really difficult and so it's very error prone mm. yeah you have to kind of measure out the correct angles between different wards and yeah all that jazz but it's the only thing that i think they have that can stop the demons like weapons and stuff don't work on them yeah so that's kind of the main conceit of the book is it's this world where demons come out every night and they get hurt by the sun they're kind of vampire-esque <laughs> in that way um, and the only thing that humans can do to kind of stay alive is draw these regular nets of wards to kind of keep themselves safe. Yeah, and, and so the book kind of has these... It, it feels very much like Attack on Titan, in, from my perspective. It's very much like humans are kept in this... Humans are kept in this kind of isolated society because, one, you can't travel overnight because the uh, demons will come out and it's kind of very hard to set up temporary wards. You kind of have to set them up with a building or a structure to be safe at all. Because of this, everywhere is very isolated and communities are very kind of um, insular, which kind of leads to these themes that are very similar to Attack on Titan, I would say. Yep. So should we talk about anything else before we go to the break? A little short first half here. Yeah, oh, I mean, so I guess aside from from those whole specifics of the world, like the demons and things, it's all... um. It's a fantasy book, and, you know, I think mm. it subscribes to a lot of the sort of fantasy tropes, and especially when it comes to characters in the world. So it's, yeah. if you don't like fantasy books, probably isn't worth it, but it's, <laughs> it's um, it, you know, it, it hits a lot of fantasy points, so if that's your thing, that's sort of what you're going to be getting. Yeah, if that's your thing, go check it out. Now, this is where I would normally pass off to future versions of you and me, Elliot, but <laughs> because... We're already here in the future. We won't do that. Uh, <laughs> and instead, we'll just say, yeah, so we're about to be talking about The Painted Man. So if you want to go into Unspoiled, you can pause your podcasting device now. And otherwise, let's continue. All right. All right. 
So it's two weeks later. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So, um, all right. So let's let's get stuck into it. Yeah. The Painted Man. Elliot, do you want to give us the less than one minute plot summary first? Um, sure. Okay. So like we said, there's the demons and then there's this kid called Arlen and he basically gets mad that everyone is afraid of the demons. So it turns out he's really good at warding and he uses that to become a prodigy and then he discovers wards that can hurt the demons and he figures out if he paints them on himself, he can hurt the demons even more. And so for some reason he uses this to become a hermit who just runs around hanging out with demons and killing them. Yeah, it's like... No, that's pretty much it. And then he meets the other two main characters who, in the grand scheme of things, aren't particularly worth mentioning. They're interesting characters, but they don't really serve the, the worldwide plot at all. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's really where the first one left off. I've, I've actually started the second book. All right, we'll, we'll jump into that in a little bit. Yeah. But I just want to say, Arlen's motivation throughout the whole book is, like, humanity should be able to do better, right? That's, like, his whole thing. He kind of gets fed up with humanity because they're just, like, being passive and hiding behind the wards the whole time. Yeah, so he, he, he sort of has that moment where his, his father lets his mother die and that sort of... Because he's scared to, like, face the demons. Yeah, it radicalizes him against sort of passiveness and and this concept that the greatest weapon that the demons have is the fear that they've instilled in humans. And so he's always trying to fight against that. Yeah, and it's so bizarre because he kind of... The first quarter of the book is Arlen's origins. The second quarter of the book is him kind of training to become a messenger, which is what they call the people who kind of travel between towns. Yeah. And then in the third quarter of the book, he goes to this... Uh, city called Crozier, which is like a sand desert city. Mm. And while he's living there, he finds these wards that will allow him to fight demons, right? Yeah. And his and he's like, oh shit, I can actually like spread these wards around and help people and like change the act the whole world because I found these wards that allow you to fight. And he he seems like he's being very heroic, uh, heroic, yeah, and and self sacrificing. And even in the second quarter of the book, there's things where he'll like trade wards with people to like build up the general knowledge about everybody's wards that they have so they are better prepared to fight the demons because yeah. he does whereas a, a lot of other humans kind of see the demons as a thing that is just a part of life mm. Arlen sees it as a very much we can do something about this kind of problem yeah but then so he finds the wards and you think oh fuck he's gonna like travel around giving wards to people and actually making a difference then he just kind of tattoos himself and becomes a hermit it's very weird well, it- it, it's like, I, I guess the reason's meant to be, so the first people he takes it back to are those desert people, which was just... It yeah, was the ne- It was never really going to work out because they were very um, racist, basically, and they only mm. they only liked themselves. Very, very xenophobic. And he found these wards in a, like, holy burial site yeah. of their people. So when he sort of showed them to them, they they sort of stole them, kicked him out, and left him for dead, and he, he managed to well, survive they, and remember them. They didn't steal them. They, the wards he found were on this ancient spear that was a kind of holy relic for the Krasians. And so they're like, uh, we want our holy spear back, and he's like, no, fuck you, and then they attack him. <laughs> and it, they, they even offer to say to him, like, hey, we'll let, we'll let you copy these wards or whatever. Yeah. Just give us our holy spear back? And he's like, no. And I'm, at that point I was like, what? I mean, like, maybe he thinks they only work on that one spear or whatever, but that doesn't make sense. 
Harlan, what are you doing, man? Um, so, I, I, I like the book, but sort of going from there, I, I want to talk about probably one of my biggest pet peeves that I had, mm. which is so... I should say, I did like the book quite a lot as well. Yeah. It just felt like there were a bit of... Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll get into what we liked about it later. <laughs> so, right after he, um, he sort of gets left for dead by these people, that's when he sort of gets mm. sort of stuck in the desert... And that's mm. sort of the point where he figures out, now that he's discovered these offensive wards, he discovers mm. that if if he paints them on himself, he can, like, punch demons and stuff, and, and you know, that does some good good results. Yeah. And so then that's when he starts to become obsessed with painting them, like, over every inch of his body. And yes. that would have been a really cool moment if the book wasn't called The Painted Man. The Painted Man or The Warded Man. Because yeah. essentially the whole first half of the book, I was just sitting around waiting for Arlen to figure out that putting the wards on people was a solution. And then yeah, and he does. I'm looking at the cover right now and it's like a dude in a hood with a fucking, with wards all over his face. Exactly. Like, like it, I know exactly where this is going. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, it sort of becomes this moment where as it's happening, it's meant to be like this big, oh shit moment in Arlen's head. But as the reader, I was just there and I was like, oh, cool, we're, we're finally doing this. That's, we're finally that's at nice. the point that the book has promised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually, I wish they could have, well, I wish Peter V. Brett would have called the book something else and that could have been the big twist. And I reckon that would have been <laughs> really neat. So, yeah, I just thought that was a shame because that whole, that whole arc then sort, sort of fell flat for me. Because then right after it, that, Yeah, because you knew where it was going the whole way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and even... Like, okay, Arlen, I get that defensive wards on your body is a good idea, because then no matter what, you're going to be at least somewhat protected from demons. Good shit. But I still don't think putting the offensive wards on your hands and feet is such a good idea. Well, Surely, like, a sword or a spear is still a better weapon. I actually, I thought it was interesting, because essentially he was spending a huge chunk of the book looking for the offensive wards, and then he Mm. sort of has the first thought to paint them on himself. And so my actual theory was, as I was reading it, that there were no offensive wards. What was offensive is you, if you put the defensive wards like on your fist, then when you punch them, that pushes the demons away. Like the same way that the protective wards act yeah. as a barrier. It's just, you're hitting yeah. them with a barrier. And I guess I actually, think, I, think I still think how it actually turns out. No, but I, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. that was better. Um, <laughs> oh, you think it would have been cooler if it had just been that? Yeah. Know? Yeah, if it had just been, like, ra- mm. rather than it being these ancient lost wards that he just discovered, it would have been really cool if he'd had that eureka moment where he just changed the way they thought about how they used the current ones. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so so let's talk about what we actually liked about the book. Yeah. I... As opposed to just being negative Nellies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, like, yeah, there were those issues with sort of how Arlen's character arc went for the latter sort of third of the book. Mm. But on the other side of the spectrum, I really liked the, so the other sort of most mainest character is this girl called Leisha, who mm. sort of studies to become a, a witch doctor lady. Like a herbalist kind of potion maker kind of thing. Yeah. And she was, her, her whole arc was actually really compelling and interesting. And, and mm. she, she was as well. I actually kind of, I always found myself looking forward to the chapters around her. Yeah, I agree. I think she was the most compelling character. Although it felt weird that her, her story kind of has, I mean, this is a medieval world. And so 
Peter V. Brett at times doesn't shy away from the kind of weird sexual nature of the world. Yeah. But it feels like in Leisha's case, like there's this one scene, the first time she leaves her town, there's this like paragraph about the guy that she's traveling with and basically to stop herself getting raped by him, she like constantly gives him this, um, it like makes him... Anti-Viagra. Yeah, anti-Viagra, exactly. (laughs) So he can't get it up. And so she like craftily avoids being raped because of that. And it's just like... It, it feels like he's kind of injecting some adult content into it just to do it. And yeah. It's a bit weird. That was that was very much how I felt when he had all of that sort of stuff as well. Like it, it like there's there's another scene in, in Arlen's story early on where you meet a family where the, the father is essentially constantly raping the oldest daughter who's about eighteen or so. Mm. And it just sort of felt like he wanted to instill some sort of uncomfortable sexual thing to have an uncomfortable sexual thing i didn't understand yeah what it added yeah he wanted to be a bit game of thrones i think <laughs> yeah sorry we were meant to be talking about the good things about the book yeah yeah, yeah i i quite liked uh Leisha's story as well i think she was probably the most interesting character mm. the other main character that you meet is called roger with a j yeah it's fantasy world and um <laughs> he's he's like a juggler entertainer mm. And it's very... I, I quite liked his story as well. I liked his story more than Arlen's, which is weird. I thought Arlen was the least compelling of the main characters. Yeah, he sort of suffered that um that thing where, because he was sort of the main, main character, his plot was almost a lot, always a lot more... Like, he had less of an individual plot because it was a lot more to do with yeah. the grand, all the wards and the demons. And it felt like it was a lot more cliché. Or not, not quite clichéd, but... Um, telegraphed. He kind of knew where it was going the whole way through. Yeah, it, it reminded me of um, in season one of of Sense Eight. It was the same thing with Will, the the cop guy. Like he mm. he had a much smaller individual plot because he's more revolved around the the grander the actual sort of plot stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the other thing I really liked about it was this setting. I think the setting. I, I it's the same kind of thing I liked about Attack on Titan which is at, at the start of Attack on Titan, at least, and at the start of The Painted Man or The Watered Man, it is very, it's a very cool kind of clustered, claustrophobic setting. I really like the idea of these wards that kind of force people to be isolated and to live these very kind of um, medieval, small towns I, life. I, I thought it was very interesting. I, I agree with you, but I actually found myself wanting in that aspect, like, because... Because I agree, at first, as I started to realise that, like... Because at first it's Arlen's just in his small, isolated town, and then the messenger comes, and that's, mm. like, a big deal, because it's the only way the town hears about what else is happening in the whole world. And and you start yeah, to think, we like... we should mention... Oh, yep. These messengers are, like, the people who have trained and have, kind of, portable ward circles, and they're the people who are willing to, kind of, take the high-risk, high-reward job of going from town to town and travelling overnight. Yeah. To deliver like mail and do trading routes and stuff like that. Yeah, and so they're and so they're obviously quite well off because of it. And so when mm. that sort of all first happens in Arlen's village, I found myself thinking about all the possibilities of like, oh, you could build like a really cool world out of this because socially things are gonna be so different because everyone's so isolated. And in the mm. end, the world actually just ends up feeling a bit like a settlers of Catan board. Like, there's, there's one yeah. big city that does farms. There's another big city that has wood because they're in the forest. There's a city on a lake that gives fish to everyone. 
and <laughs> and they're all they're all just trading like it's a game of yeah. settlers. Yeah. Um, it's it's it is basically the settlers of Qatar. <laughs> the sheep town trades sheep for the grain town or whatever. Yeah, like that's that's just what ends up happening. And so the on the sort of larger scale of that build up of the world, I actually found that really disappointing. It was the well, yeah. Yeah, I, I I mean, what I liked about it was the the small scale part. Yeah, it was when it was just Arlen and Leisha and Roger in their small towns, and kind of living this life. When it was just someone by themselves in a town, that mm. that was far and away more interesting. I was just, I think it could have scaled up better. Yeah. So should we talk about what's it called, the Desert Spear? Yeah. So that's the that's the sequel. And as you probably know, because you've read it, Ruben, it's named after the this crazier, um, the city, mm. the southern city. This like the holy icon, this holy weapon that they have in Crazier. Yeah, and so basically, the plot. I, I'm not too far into it, but sort of the plot that basically seems to be happening is well, the first book leaves off with Arlen teaming up with Leisha and Roger to actually help mm. some people fight demons. And that sort of leads to him just organically growing a cult following because people think he's this m- promised messiah mm. who's coming to save them from the demons. And so what happens mm. in the second book is essentially the people from the south who left him for dead, they've also weaponized mm. the wards that they more or less stole from him. And they're coming up north to sort of lay claim to all of Thesio. They're sort of like, well, we have the Deliverer. So the guy who was Arlen's friend yeah. who stole the spear from him is claiming to be this messiah. And yeah, because he also has the power of the kind of offensive wards. Exactly. And so he... And so then it's it's sort of like... It's become this thing where now that people actually have the ability to fight the demons, they're fighting each other more than ever. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is sort of a classic Game of Thrones sort of thing as well. So it's essentially, it's actually setting up this very human war where the Crazians are sort of invading Thesia. Mm. Everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, so then Arlen is sort of having to step up and act as this sort of deliverer to unite the rest of the people against this invading force while simultaneously trying to convince everyone that actually we should be fighting these demons and not each other yeah i don't know how many how much kind of legs this book has for a full series i mean i think they set up an interesting kind of premise but now that the offensive wards exist it's kind of mutating a lot beyond its original premise it is and it yeah it is definitely diverting like so this second book is starting to focus a lot more on wars between people so i can see how the I think it's like the fifth and final book is coming out soon. Mm. And, and so I, I can sort of see why it could take five books if there's going to be all this stuff about human wars mixed in because that's going to obviously sort of pad the whole thing out. Well, there's also new kinds of demons. The demons are starting to fight back. Oh, um, new demons. A bit more. Give me one of the new types. Grass demon? <laughs> I'm just um, try, I guess. Air, uh, there are already air demons. What are some other elements? Uh, oh, metal demon. Is there a metal demon? So I read... I Honestly, most of what I know about this is actually because I got stuck on uh, wikis. Um, nice. But there's there's mind demons who are basically... They're the ones... They're mentioned in the oh, first one. Like mind flayer kind of things. Yeah, and they can... The, the most important thing is they can actually see wards and ward nets, so they can direct the other demons on like how to 
best Paddle strike mm. ward nets and stuff. But yeah, so it, it expands it expands in that way. But uh, there is and there's also this kind of subplot throughout the Painted Man, which I assume is going to become relevant. Of as Arlen kind of fights with these wards that he's tattooed on himself, he kind of gets this. He kind of turns into a demon. The way the wards work in universe is they siphon power from what they're kind of drawn or siphon power into what they're drawn on. So when a demon makes contact with a ward, it kind of siphons out this demonic essence and kind of gives it into what it's drawn onto, which in this case is Arlen's body. So he kind of transforms into a demon. Yeah. And there's this scene where uh, it becomes the the morning and he's like grappling a demon and he kind of gets pulled down into the core of the earth where the demons are from. Yeah. So I'm assuming in like book three or book four or whatever, it's going to be like the story of Arlen, like this whole karmic debt that he's accrued kind of coming back to bite him in some way. And I, I guess I can see where that kind of plot is is going and how it has legs on that aspect. But it feels like it's kind of gotten away from its source material a lot. Yeah. Well, the fifth book is is called The Core. So, yeah, yeah so I, I agree with you. I assume Arlen's the fifth journey book to is... the core is in, um, you know, <laughs> it's journey to the center of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I'm sure he'll get there and then it'll turn out there's probably nice demons down there or something and they're being oppressed and he'll team oh friendly demons Mm. (laughs) oh heart demons i bet i bet there's a heart demon (laughs) (laughs) and then all five demons combined to captain planet demon yeah um yeah so what else should we touch on for this book um it's gonna be a bit of a short episode because we only have essentially one half but yeah um I, I quite liked Peter V. Brett's writing style. Yeah, uh, it was interesting. It was definitely, like, it was an engaging book, and it was well-written enough to kind of keep you going with it, for sure. I mean, there, there were kind of, like, um, niggles at it, you know, but... Yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed the book, and I would probably keep reading the second one. I mean, the, the Painted Man ends with this, like, two-paragraph, basically, summary of what's going to happen in the next story. It's very overt in setting up its sequel at the very end, which is, yeah. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I I mean, I, it's it's almost obligatory in fantasy. Is it? Fantasy books always have to have at least five in the series it, now. You can't just write a one-off book. It, like, ends with the scene of the, the, the other deliverer from Crazier riding across the sand and being like, they used to call me Blah, but now they call me the deliverer. And it's like, oh, okay. I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. It's the sand people attacking. That's, and so he's actually, he's a, he's a point of view character in the second book, actually. It's not just the three point of view characters for the mm. first one. It's, it's sort of expanding in the second one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what would you give it? What would you give it out of 10? Um, I mean, despite all of my complaints and, and ideas of how it could be better, I'd still give it an eight. I think I would give it slightly less than an eight. I think just because... I, I feel like I was a bit more affected by the fantasy trope stuff than you were. So I'd say maybe a seven, seven. Yeah. I'd say seven. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, still pretty good. Um, good recommendation yeah. to us. Mysterious benefactor who we shall not name. So that wraps up another episode of Media MD. So Elliot, what are we checking out next fortnight? 
uh, next fortnight we're checking out everything. So read up on everything and um, <laughs> let us know what you thought of everything. Yeah, oh, actually, no, there is, that's going to not work, Elliot, because there's like a video game that came out recently called Everything, and people are going to really? think we're talking about that. That's a really bad name for searching on Google and stuff. Yeah, that, Elliot was making a goof. <laughs> don't worry about, next week we're not checking out anything in particular. It's a bit of a special episode. Um, so don't yeah. worry, just take two weeks off. You don't have to read anything for a while. You can just hit stones with sticks i don't know what people do for fun but <laughs> it's not reading apparently for the next two weeks um and we'll see you in two weeks for our special episode